What's going on, guys? It's Cassius here from the Second Floor Podcast. Welcome to another Calculated Coffees episode with yours truly. Today, we are taking our talents down south to the US. We are bringing a special guest from Arizona, introducing none other than Nick Jorgensen. And Nick, I apologize if I messed up your last name, my man. Nick is a Spotify playlist curator, an artist manager, a studio owner, artist, and writer. His playlist, Lifting Heavy Ass Weights, has gained over 40,000 followers as it is gradually growing since its creation in 2016. He manages Oren Major, a young independent artist who has amassed nearly 10 million streams in less than three short years. He also owns Rap House Phoenix, an Airbnb style tour, lodging and recording studio that has since hosted artists such as Jack Harlow and Earl Sweatshirt. Nick prides himself in helping other independent artists navigate the music industry by sharing information as often as he can. He has sold over 500 copies of his book, Spotify for Dummies, and recently begun a Patreon community of over 250 artists and producers where he shares information for those who wanna learn how to grow as an entrepreneur in the music industry. Our conversation revolved around his come up, how he got into managing, tips for artists who are trying to grow in 2020, and what it takes to be a successful artist manager tips and tricks on that front. So I'm super excited for you guys to dive in. Let's get it. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Career Essentials a new podcast from techlifetoday.ca, and Nate. Career Essentials offers real-world advice and insight into different careers and career paths. It features the stories and experiences of Nate alumni with lessons for everyone. Discover perspectives, tools, and tips essential to career growth and success, no matter what stage you're at in your career journey. A recent episode you might find interesting features Edmonton chef Steve Brochu of Milkrate, who explains why mental health in the restaurant industry often gets ignored and shares what he's doing to change that. Find Career Essentials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at techlifetoday.ca forward slash podcast. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. To learn more about the Edmonton Community Foundation, go to ecfoundation.org. Welcome, Nick, to the Second Floor Podcast, man. I'm I'm excited to have you. I I tried to get you on, uh, you know, a a couple weeks ago, um, and then a lot of stuff shifted, especially in my city with with COVID. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time, especially during the holidays, to to come on board, man. Yeah, of course, man. Um, I'm honored to be here this is actually my first podcast so uh, i'm excited yeah you mentioned that so i was like yeah well, at least we got you uh, uh, on the first one so um yeah welcome man uh i, I just want to get started and uh 
and first kind of take it back to, um, you know, how you started in, in kind of the music industry and kind of your come up. Because, uh, you know, you've been doing a lot of things. I've been following you on Instagram for the last, you know, year or two. And uh, it, it's cool to see um, just the, the your journey in terms of, uh, uh, you know, ma- like being a manager and uh, as well as helping artists um, especially online and, um, you know, you're pumping out a lot of content as of recent that I've seen. And, uh, uh obviously me being an artist and, and being a creative, um, I was like, man, I had to have you on. So, uh, c- let's kind of get into, um, you know, kind of your backstory. How did you get into all of this? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I like to tell people is that I'm not from, uh, the United States. I grew up in Japan, uh, on a military base, because my dad was in the military. Um, so that was totally different experience. Um, and then when I graduated high school is when I moved to the States, um, where I now am in Arizona. Uh, so I came here, I uh, went to Arizona State, studied engineering. Um, and then when I graduated, uh, I started working as a software developer for General Motors. Um, and I was just living the nine to five life. I was in a cubicle. Um, I always felt like there was something more I should be doing or just something bigger. Um, so I started following a lot of Gary Vee as I think a lot of people did. And, you know, yeah. he would go to garage sales and flip shit. And I tried to do that too. Um, but eventually how I got into music was completely by accident. Um, so are you familiar with playlists and how they're, how popular they are now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with it, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been looking into it. So. Okay, right. So yeah. um, around that time, so this is like 2015, 2016, um, playlists started to become like the new radio stations, they called it, because instead of uh, getting placed on a radio station and getting spins and listeners there, um, if you got on a Spotify playlist, you would get spins and listeners on Spotify. Um, and I actually happened to just have a playlist on accident called Lifting Heavy Ass Weights, which was my own personal gym playlist. I took uh, everything that was on my iPod Nano and I put it on Spotify as soon as I signed up. Um, and I think because I started my playlist so long ago and it had uh, just a unique name, it started to grow. Uh, so at one point it had a thousand followers and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's neat. Yeah. Um, and then got up to like 2,000, 5,000. Um, and then I remember one day someone offered me to buy the playlist and it was just a random DM. Um, someone offered me like a hundred bucks for it, but they wanted to take all my music off and put all their music on. And I was like, nah, nah, uh, this is my playlist. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's still the, the one that I used to work out. So it's, it's my playlist. Um, but as it started to grow, uh, people started to reach out to me, uh, including the guy who wanted to buy it. Um, I started working with uh, Universal Music Group uh, because they had a streaming department. And so they would send me recommendations um, and just kind of loop me in there. And then one day, um, this artist named Orrin Major reached out to me and I loved his music. Um, I started helping him out just because I thought he deserved more listeners, uh, including using my playlist and doing all these other things. Um, And then I got his music video placed on a large social media channel. Uh, It was called Born Famous. Um, And the guy who runs Born Famous, who is a good friend now, he asked me how I knew Orrin Major. And I didn't have an answer to that question because I was just a guy helping him out. I had a playlist, wasn't technically in the music industry. Yeah. And then uh, Orrin said, I've been saying you should be my manager. And so at that point, I was (laughs) 
had no idea what a music manager was because I know, you know, I know what it is now, but everyone I meet, they don't know what a manager is because it's not a very common or popular thing. So uh, he told me that and I started Googling, like, what is a music manager? What do they do? Um, I started trying to figure it out. Uh, so I took the, the legal steps. I hired an entertainment lawyer, just Googled the first one, um, drafted up a management contract, and I signed Oren back in July of 2017. And that was when I first became uh, a manager in the music industry. That's sweet, man. It's funny how like things accidentally kind of fall into place. And uh, um, no, that's awesome, man. So then what happened afterwards? So you get you, you signed Oren and then what kind of what, what were the domino effects after that? Right. Um, yeah. So it was totally by accident, um, just having the playlist and having people reach out to me. Um, and then when Oren reached out, he was just we had kind of the same energy uh, and we vibed really well. And so once we signed uh, together, we actually didn't meet in person for like nine months um, because he lived in Atlanta. I lived in Arizona um, and we did the long distance uh, management relationship for the first year. Um, but during that time, we were able to be really successful on the streaming because it was the start of the streaming era. The playlists were coming into like this really popular thing. Um, and so we learned the game, started getting him on all these other playlists, including mine. Um, and I would reach out as the manager, as a fellow playlister. Um, and we started to see his numbers grow. Um, and within that first year, I think we hit a million streams. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And it was just, it was unbelievable um, because I guess we had just been one of the first ones to kind of figure out that game. You know, if you can get on playlists, you can grow your numbers, you can grow your listeners um, and become a successful artist that way. And so that was kind of the first year of, of us working together. And then he finally flew out to Arizona and we met. Um, luckily it worked out because I was really nervous to meet him in person, you know, after working so long um, remote like that. But yeah. Yeah. And just one of the things from that is this, even though COVID, you know, stopped everything, um, we were used to working remote. So it actually didn't hurt us as much because we were used to just being uh, in different cities anyways. So He's still in Atlanta and I'm still in Arizona right now. Nice. And, uh, and how has that, like, uh, what I see now is like, you're, you're obviously, you know, you're catering to, to artists online. Um, you know, you're starting your own content, you're, you're providing a lot of value. Um, and, and that's one of the things that intrigued me following you is like, you, pr you provide so much value up front. Um, and, uh, why, like what, what kind of, are you is the passion of helping artists is that is that just kind of grew with you know helping Oren uh build his uh you know following and his audience um is that kind of what triggered that or was there you know something else that came about or is you just have that knack of just wanting to help artists but where did that come from yeah um so that's a really good question uh just helping people in general and especially teaching people mm. that was always something i was pretty passionate about um so like a lot of my friends and stuff i would help them out with their lives and teach them the things that i knew um and so when we were starting out me and oren i would post on instagram i had created an instagram i didn't really know what it was going to be for i never imagined it would be like you know what it is now nick the manager with the videos and everything um, but I was just posting cool stuff. Um, I would post like our accomplishments, of course, because, you know, that helps his his fan base. And then 
I would always post information that I found. So like when it came to royalties or just, you know, tidbits of information, I would always just post it. Um, and I never really thought too much about it for the first like two years. I was just posting information, answering questions from uh, other artists that wanted help. Um, and, you know, for the first two years, I wasn't making any money. I wasn't charging for anything. I was just helping Orin and helping artists on Instagram. Um, and I think because I never charged for anything, it kind of grew my credibility as someone who just wanted to help and give information. Um, and so when I did convert it into a business, um, you know, people just fuck with me and, and I love that. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome, man. I think there's a, there's a valuable lesson in that where, um, you know, just giving value and giving, um, you know, helping up out, uh, up front. Um, can kind of pay off afterwards. Um, you know, a lot of people, um, not just in, you know, in your industry, but uh, I know a lot of people that try to convert and monetize very, very quickly without, um, you know, providing really any sort of value. Um, and I feel like, especially with content, especially with like the stuff that, you know, we're doing um, and, you know, posting a lot and, you know, on YouTube and whatnot, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of, um, you know, successful guys such as like Gary Vee, for example, you know, he's pumping out content three or four times a day. And a lot of it is, um, you know, value driven or informationally, you know, driven. Uh, and so I think that's something us creators who are maybe not as big time yet um, that we we have to do is continuously provide value for uh, for people up front before we can, uh, um, you know, monetize on it. And I think Gary Vee calls it, what is this, like jab, 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 right hook or something like that. I think that's his philosophy. Yeah, right. lots of free value and then charging for like the big ticket stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is, that's what I experienced on a very small scale um, in a few different ways. Uh, so like when I first started out, I was posting all the information. Um, and then one day, uh, a fellow manager, he asked me a few questions on an email about Spotify and playlists. Um, and so I just, I went in detail with everything that I knew and what we were doing and I sent that over to him. And then I was like, huh, I think other people could benefit from this. So I post on my Instagram, if anyone wants it, send me an email. Um, and so I ended up sending out the email over like three or 400 times completely for free. And then wow. I realized, you know, how valuable it was because all the feedback was like, people had no idea about this stuff. Um, that's when I started selling it. And I was only selling it for like 10 bucks. And the main reason I was selling it was because I didn't want to go and have to write out all these emails for all these people, you know, yeah. like having to type out everyone's email, make sure it's right. So I just posted on a website for 10 bucks. Um, and that ended up selling like, I think 500 copies. Um, oh. Yeah. So it was, but, but it started completely for free, never meant to be a product, just trying to help someone out. Um, yeah. And then, that allowed me to transition into that so yeah that's sweet man yeah i know that 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 it's funny because even on on my front i got uh the same thing is like when when we started this podcast um in the city like this was probably two or two and a half years ago three years ago uh podcasts weren't as popping as they are now like everyone is starting a podcast like even over the last year you see podcasts popping up every 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 um Everyone's doing it. But when we started uh, and we were pumping out content every single week, I had a lot of people reach out to me in my circle and they're like, Hey man, like I want to start a podcast. Uh, you know, what, you know, what kind of mic do I get? What kind of camera should I get? I want to do videos too. And then, uh, um, 
Long story short, I ended up making a little guide too. I didn't, I didn't send out as many emails as you. I just, I was like, you know what? I was like, um, why don't I just make like a, how to start a podcast for beginners? Like who want to like, kind of like, not just like set up a microphone and go, but like want to have like good quality, quality audio, good quality video, um, and where, where, where they can start. So I made like a three or four page, uh, uh, PDF and then, uh, uh, anyone that would ask, I'd be like, "Hey, man, here, here, here it is." And uh, I never, I never sold it, but I, I still have it. So it, it's funny that, um, yeah, that, yeah, that that happened. So. Do you still post tips or like spread that kind of information on your own? Uh, I'm I'm starting I'm starting to now, not on the podcast realm, but more on the video realm because I've been I've been doing videos since 2010, um, and uh, it started off as me wanting to post my own videos on YouTube. Uh, for my music because I didn't want to pay a thousand bucks for a music video and so when I was making my songs I was like man I don't got a thousand bucks to hire a videographer all right let me figure this camera shit out you know what I mean and uh, long story short now I'm doing videos full-time in my city as I'm making my own music but I'm doing it for clients and and whatnot here so it's funny how that journey kind of came about so Awesome. I recommend that to pretty much all artists or people doing creative stuff is anything you can learn in house. Even if you don't become a master, like you became a master over 10 years of what you do. But even if you just learn a little bit of it, um, it can go so far. So like if you're an artist and you are paying for music videos, but you've done music video stuff in the past, you have an expectation of the work that goes into it. You know, like you can, you can tell when someone doesn't put all of their effort into something because you know, this would have only taken so long or this is only worth so much money. So I really respect you doing that. And it's awesome to hear over 10 years. Cause that's my thing is everything I think takes about 10 years to become really good at. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome to hear you transition to that full time. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a creative like you, man. And I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm personally don't like the, the nine to five grind and, and it, it, it kind of transitioned after I finished university, it was like, Oh, okay. Like I could go and do med school. Like that was the plan. Like I studied biology and I graduated with biology degree and I was like, shit, I am, I'm making decent money in the city doing videos for people. Like, do I just, you know, turn up the gas a little bit and just go hard and, and start a business or do I, what do I do here? So I, I had like a, I had like a moment in my life where when I finished university, I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. The path, the two, one way or the other way, left or right. And then I ended up, I was like, you know what? I'll work for a year. I'll see if this works. And my city is, is, is a, is a small city compared to like a big city like Toronto or Vancouver in Canada. So it wasn't like the industry here was like popping or anything like that. Like there isn't, there isn't much like in terms of video or film uh, work here. So I was like, okay, you know what? Let me try this. And uh, yes, yeah, exactly. So, and then, yeah. And then ended up long story short. And now here, here I am a couple of years later after finishing uni and uh, we're doing videos full time and I'm still doing my music. I'm, I'm building a small studio at my house right now. And it's, it's funny how things just kind of, you know, fell into place. So yeah, but um uh, what, um, in terms of, uh, you know, like the, the, the climate right now, you know, especially with, um, you know, everything's up, uh, like in terms of content, um, you know, artists have to post quite a bit these days to, to, you know, even get noticed. What do you think of the climate now, especially for, for artists? Like what, 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 what should they be doing now, especially when, you know, 
Spotify's popping, TikTok's popping, IG's popping, you know, YouTube's popping. Like, where would an artist who is independent, what what should he at least you know start off with or do to 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 try to push his music, uh, you know, to the next level or even get you know some sort of uh, an audience? Do they, you know, I've heard from people like, yo, you should you know do thirty or forty second snippets of your music and put it on TikTok and focus on TikTok and other people are like nah like you gotta you know drop music once a month at least on Spotify or 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 you gotta keep pushing to to blogs and reach out to people in your opinion as a as a manager and as someone who's in has been in the game for many many years and you've seen the transition and stuff that's been you know evolving where do you think someone should start ah man that's a deep question I know <laughs> um, and I think the the best and the worst part of that question is there is no right answer um, because I think first off, everyone is different and everyone can be successful in different ways depending on what they decide to pursue. Um, but yeah, there is no right answer. So my advice is pretty much, you know, how I got here is to just try things. Um, so like specifically for Instagram growth, I would always tell people, uh, what posts in the past have worked the best? You know, what gave you the most engagement, most likes, most views, whatever. Um, And then kind of figure out why that worked and figure out more content you can create um, that falls in line with that. And then set aside a certain amount of time per week to make as many of those as you can so that you never run out. Um, I think it's the same thing you and I do with, uh, with our content is, you know, you want to stockpile some so that you're never under pressure to create new content because that's not when the best content gets created. Um, you know, it's not when it's under pressure and you need something. So I think, uh, for Instagram, you know, it's pretty much just seeing what works. And then of course, always interacting and engaging with people. Um, one of my rules for people starting out, especially is anyone who likes your posts, comments on your posts, watches your stories, um, send them a message and just get to know who they are. And if they end up, you know, responding and you have a relationship, um, then you can start to push some of your content on them. And if they like the content, keep track of them because that's fan number one, you know, fan number two, fan number three, and you grow the fan base that way by keeping track of all these people. So like one of the things that me and Oren did back in winter 2018 was we sent out free merch and Christmas cards to a whole list of people that we had accumulated over time as supporters. Um, so like, uh, we sent out a bunch of like these shirts, uh, Don JMG's, our label. Um, and then we had handwritten Christmas cards. And that I think really goes a long way. And you send signed CDs, um, just giving them something really personal that you know who they are um, and that you have a real relationship. And I think that's what will keep them supporting you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Spotify growth, I've, there's so many ways to grow that, but obviously playlists are still probably key. Um, unfortunately the, uh, the market is oversaturated and they figured out ways to fake everything. Um, so I'm really skeptical now. I mean, I'll, I'll, one of my artists, he went to try this playlist company, spent like 300 bucks and he got half a million streams, you know, like it's ridiculous what they can do now. Um, including thousands of followers, thousands of saves, things I'd never seen before. Mm. Um, So that whole I don't, I don't really fuck with any of that anymore because yeah. it's, it's crazy and it's a lot of fake stuff. Um, 
but yeah, so there was a lot of answers in there. <laughs> no, I know my, my question was, was quite uh, generic. And <laughs> so no, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I think, uh, I think you're right though. I think I really love that. I, um, idea of the people who are already messing with you to, to really go one step further and, and give them something, uh, more than what typically, uh, someone would do. Right. So, you know, the Christmas cards, the, the merch, um, even just like you said, like reaching out to them on, on, on your, on your Instagram or whatever platform you're on and just kind of getting to know them. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten so many responses from people like, like, Oh, this is a bot. Or uh, oh, I can't believe you messaged me. It's like, no, dude, this is just me. Like, hey, I appreciate it, you know. And like, people really can't believe that. And so, um, you know, it's cool for me. But if you're an artist, especially, it's so powerful because I think uh, the average person who's not in the industry, they don't talk to artists. They don't talk to people who make music and stuff. And so, when an artist that they've listened to reaches out to them and has a conversation with them, it goes a really long way. Cause now they're telling their friends like, Oh yeah, that's, that's so-and-so. I was just talking with them in the DMS yesterday yeah. <laughs> you know, we're playing his music now. So it's like, it goes a really long way um, as an artist to message these people who are casual fans, but could potentially become super fans. Yeah. No, I, lo I love that, man. And what would you say to, I guess, a manager, someone who wants to be in, in, in your position or, or wants to, you know, start, you know, accumulating artists or have like well, that one artist and, and try to help them grow or manage them or, or whatnot. What, where, where should they start? So I'm actually, I'm working on, I guess I've been working on this book for like a year now. It's called the art of management. Um, it, I, I wrote a bunch of other stuff, the guides that I sold, but um, the art of management is, is where I'm breaking down uh, both sides. So it's meant for artists who are looking for a manager artists who already have a manager and then people who want to become managers so i'm still working on that but um as far as that goes typically it's just about finding the right person to work with um so if you are not a manager but you want to be reach out to artists that you really really believe in um who don't have managers because you know once you connect with someone you're in it for the long haul you can't just like you know haphazardly uh make these relationships and especially you know, if you take it a step further to the legal contracts, you know, me and Orrin were legally binded for years um, on this path. So, you know, you got to make sure that you pick the right person. Um, and so as a manager, um, one of my favorite stories is that I took a trip to Atlanta um, back in 2019 at, with the intention of signing an artist. Um, he, I loved his music. I thought he was just really talented. Um, and then I ended up spending a couple of days with him. We hung out, uh, there's like parties and stuff. And unfortunately, um, there are a bunch of red flags in his character. Um, he was drinking too much, he was getting sloppy. He was being really disrespectful to people uh, and just, it, it blew me away. And so I think um, before you start any relationship, whether it be management or whatever, um, take it slow and really get to know the person first uh, because you don't want to sign an artist and then find out, oh, they don't work hard. Oh, they drink too much. Oh, you know, all these other things. Um, so yeah, just definitely get to know the person first. Make sure you believe in them and their music enough to be in it for the long haul. And then just always keep learning um, because this environment especially is always changing, especially in 2020, because what it is now is not what it was last year or the year before. Um, so it's moving really fast. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like that. And 
I think uh, I think I think people don't think uh, about that, especially what you said is other factors other than the music side. You know what I mean? Like people could be super talented, like you said. You you had plans to sign this person, um, and then you saw the other side, right? And I think even with artists and and just other other creatives, um, we all think about the art first, and we 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 forget that there is, like you said, the business side to it. There is like you know contracts there are the uh you know there's there's potentially down the road going to be money involved there's going to be there's going to be other stuff other than the music or other than the art that you create so i think um even me personally like when i first started into videos i had people that were excited about what i was creating and they wanted to partner up with me and at that time because i was young I, I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, 50-50, let's go. And there was no contract or anything. It was just like, okay, let's do this since you're excited. Let's, you know, come help me out on these shoots and come help me out on with, with the music stuff and whatnot. And then two years in, I realized that this person, uh, in terms of their character, in terms of their work ethic and what they were doing, it was just in that moment that they were excited. And then I realized that they weren't the right person uh, to move forward with. And then that partnership broke and it was, it was, a it was a very, very bad, uh, breakup. So uh, I really love that you, that you brought that up, man. I think that's very important is, is knowing who you're. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I've had, I've had many people do the same thing with me. Like mm-hmm. they want to get involved somewhere in the label. Like I want A and R, I want to help with the website. And of course I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Show me what you can do. Um, but it never lasts, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. So I, I recommend for contracts or any kind of legal agreement, especially three months, you know, give it three months. Uh, that's how long me and Oren worked for before we signed anything. Um, and then, you know, also with that three month time, you know, there's a fear that they're going to go separate ways, you know, if you start helping them. So like, I know if I was a potential manager, I might be afraid to work with someone for three months without a contract in case I help them, they blow up and then they leave because there's no contract. Yeah. But that is a very important time because you have to build that trust to know that, you know, we're working together. There's no contract. Either one of us could leave, but this is the path to get to that contract. So, um, for all three of my artists, um, it took months before we signed anything official of working together because I want to make sure there's nothing that's going to surprise me. I got to see how you are in different situations, especially negative situations. Like something doesn't work out. Are you going yeah. to flip out or, you know, how are you going to handle it? So yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And, and uh, what do you think, um, you know, especially with, with, uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this back, but like COVID, you know, with COVID and stuff and events and things like things like that, that aren't taking place right now. Um, what, what should, what should, uh, both an artist and man- manager do at, at a time when, you know, like, especially with, with events and stuff and, and stuff that that's kind of like a main source of revenue. Um, what should they do? What they, what should they be doing right now? Um, especially with, um, with having to be socially distant and distant and, and whatnot. So what, what do you think? Um, so that was a tough one, uh, specifically because Orin and I were on tour at the time, uh, yeah. back in March and we lost all of our biggest shows. So we had done, I think seven shows, um, between like, uh, across the country headline, uh, shows. And then we finished in LA in March. And then our next show was going to be a couple weeks later. And it was going to be our, one of our bigger shows with, uh, uh, with Greaves. He's, um, 
in kind of in the Chris Webby, Rhyme Sayers, all, all that. So we had big shows coming up that got canceled. Um, so that, that really did affect us because 2018, 2019, we were all focused on streaming, getting the numbers up. We did that. We had, you know, almost 10 million streams. And then we went on tour in 2020. That was, or yeah, 2020. That was our plan was to switch it up and build the physical fan base because I think that is more important. And everyone pretty much who's become successful as an artist did it by touring. Um, and that's kind of what I learned here at Rap House too, was that the tours are super important. So we did that. We were on tour. We had all these big shows planned and then all of that just got canceled. Um, and which kind of sucked because we had invested most of our, our money into the tour stuff. So we had a tour vehicle, we had all our merch printed that we were supposed to sell, you know, so just <laughs> a lot of downsides to losing those shows. So, um, I don't have the answer for other people, but for what we did was Oren started focusing more on mental health, physical health, getting in shape. Um, Cause it's tough being an artist, especially, you know, when you're not quite there yet, you know, you're almost, almost to blow up. Um, yeah. And so he worked on his just getting in shape, getting mentally right uh, and making a bunch of music. So 2021, we're going to be uh, working on, just like really nailed down release plans um, and hopefully going to do some shows. It seems like uh, shows are starting to come back in 2021. And then for me, so we kind of split paths again for a little while. Um, not that we split up, but just like he's working on himself and his music and I'm working on Nick, the manager stuff now. So um, what I did was I started doing these uh, song contests um, where we do Every Sunday, we'd have 40 people enter, we give out money, we give out playlist spots, um, and just kind of build up the brand and the community there. And then um, in June or July, I transitioned into growing my Patreon. Um, so I started a Patreon, I started posting tons of informational content and videos, and growing a community there of subscribers um, for only five bucks a month. And now we're up to about 250 people. So that's what I did, that's what he did. And so 2021 is looking good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause we're putting in the groundwork. Here. I, lo I love that. I, I love that, man. I think, I think the one takeaway from, from that is, 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 um, you know, quickly adapting, right. And, and not, not kind of stalling on, on the downside of, of COVID. And, um, I think that's smart. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people can take away from that is that, you know, focus on yourself, if that's mental, mental health or physical health, or if that's, you know what, I gotta, you know, I'm just going to go into the basement and start just making content, making my music, uh, polishing up, you know, building my craft, um, you know, polishing up my skills. I think that's very important, especially now. And a lot of people, and I think, I think one thing that has helped, especially with COVID is like, it's forced people to be alone. It's forced people to have, have, have to self-reflect and figure out, uh, you know, what, what are, what are the next steps? You know, like what, what are you going to do when, when you're all alone and you know, what, what's, what are you going to do in the next three, six, eight months when things aren't open? You know, you can't go to bars, you can't go to clubs, you can't, you can't hang out with your friends. Like, what are you going to do? And, uh, I love that you and Oren have pivoted or at least taken, you know, a, a you know, a, a switch from, okay, well, we're our tour, you know, touring isn't available. Um, you know, events aren't available. Things aren't going, going too well on, in, in, the, on the outside, but all right, let's just focus on ourselves now. Let's, let's build ourselves. Let's build our content. Let's build our name. Let's, 
Let's build our skills. Let's get mentally mentally better. Let's get physically better. Uh, I think that's very, very important, man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I know it's a tough time. A lot of people are out of work and stuff, but, you know, you can't control those kinds of things. So uh, I'm so proud of him for getting in really good shape. And then, you know, myself, I've been biking a lot. I picked up hunting. Like I've never gone hunting before, but I, I bought a bow. Like I'm trying to learn how to shoot a bow and like, nice. I've never caught anything obviously, but you know, it's, it's nice just being on your own and focusing on your own body and your skills and your mental health and, and just going out and being in nature is kind of what I did to, to help with that too. Cause you know, the city and just the news, it can be overwhelming. So just spending time by yourself out in nature helps a lot, I think. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Career Essentials, a new podcast from techlifetoday.ca. And Nate, Career Essentials offers real-world advice and insight into different careers and career paths. It features the stories and experiences of Nate alumni with lessons for everyone. Discover perspectives, tools, and tips essential to career growth and success, no matter what stage you're at in your career journey. A recent episode you might find interesting features Edmonton chef Steve Brochu of Milk Crate, who explains why mental health in the restaurant industry often gets ignored and shares what he's doing to change that. Find Career Essentials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at techlifetoday.ca forward slash podcast. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council. How much should an artist focus on, you know, their business side of things? You know, a lot of artists are focused on making music um, or or whatever content that is, even just for a creative in general. Um, you know, a lot of us are focused on just the art instead of the business side or other other factors. How much do you how much do you think that side plays a role? Um, yeah, so that's that's a really good question. And, you know, I'm gonna take it back to when we were talking about video work earlier and just trying things because, you know, as an artist, someone has to take care of the business side. So even if you end up outsourcing it to a manager or, you know, a friend or an attorney or something, uh, having learned that stuff will make you much more proficient because you don't want to be totally blind to it. You know, like who's collecting royalties, where they're getting it from, who's handling contracts. You want to know about those things because if your manager's handling it, there's been so many, you know, historical cases of managers and labels taking advantage of artists because the artists don't know any better. Um, so even if you don't end up doing those things yourself, um, you should learn about them so that you don't get taken advantage of later. And especially if you're just starting out, it is going to be on you. So you got to learn it. <laughs> yeah. um, so like uh, one of the things I say about me and Oren is that there's nothing I do for him that he can't do himself. Almost. I mean, now there are some things I have some connections, but in general, when I was starting out, I was just learning the things that he was already doing and expanding on those. So like he was already distributing on DistroKid. He already had a 
signed up with BMI, one of the PROs. He had registered some of his music. Um, all I did was keep registering his music and finding new places to get those royalties and then coming up with you know split sheets and just taking it a step further um, but again there's nothing i do that he can't do or doesn't know about because it's very important as an artist if you don't want to get taken advantage of um, mm -hmm. and, you know we're friends the trust is there but still like it's good for him to know about those things yeah and and do you think the uh like there, there's a couple things there is um in, 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 in this time, like this, this day and age, like, do you think that artists should just focus on, you know, pumping out, pumping out their music as much as they can online? Cause I know, for example, uh, I'm sure you know this, but like, uh, Russ's whole strategy of, of pumping out a song, you know, once a week, uh, until he, until he blew up. Do you think, do you think that is this, that is the go-to strategy these days is like as an independent artist, or do you say, you know what, like, you know, find, you know, do the classic, uh, reach out to blogs, reach out to, uh, companies, labels, and hope and pray that you get signed. What, what is the, what is the strategy for, for an artist or even a manager too? Like what, 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 what do you think? What's your opinion on, on those strategies? Okay. So, um, so with Russ's story, a couple things there, uh, his song a week was happening on SoundCloud back when SoundCloud was still the gold source almost for music. Um, it was kind of right at the transition into streaming and Spotify. Um, so I'm not going to say he got lucky, but kind of like with my playlist, it's a good playlist, but it blew up because it was one of the early ones. Just mm. like him. Um, he was one of the early people to do that and take over on SoundCloud. Um, and then the other thing is he built up his independent catalog first, but then he did partner with a major label as he was blowing up to take it to the next step in the next level. So I think even if you do want to get signed eventually, or you want to get signed now, there is no downside to building up your own catalog and your own fan base, because that's what he did. And that's why he had the leverage to walk into that meeting and create a partnership as opposed to getting looped into a 360 deal where he gets 12%. You know what I mean? So um, I always tell people, build up the independent catalog because a it's what you have to do as an artist you have to put out music if you want to become successful and b there are no downsides to having that catalog so with russ his partnership was with um his album uh, i think there's re there's really a wolf and so all of his independent catalog was still owned by him where he was getting a hundred percent of that so as he blew up um, it was 50-50 on that album, but all of his other music was just getting that exposure from the partnership and he was keeping all that. So mm -hmm. there's no downside to having your own catalog separate from whatever label you end up going with later if you do. So. Right. No, I love that, man. Yeah, no, I 100% I agree. And um, and what, what, about, um, what about like reaching out? Like what's the you know, when should an independent artist who has been doing, doing what they've been doing, uh, you know, trying to make music, pumping out content, when should they, they start reaching out? Or do you think they should immediately as they, as they, as they're continuing to build their independent catalog to just continue to, to reach out to artists, uh, to other artists, other, other labels, uh, even a manager, when, when do you think, uh, an independent artist should, uh, look for, uh, getting help on the, on, on their music side of things. Okay, so um, I'll start with labels. Uh, so when we were starting out, um, we were getting, you know, we we're growing really fast in the beginning. Um, and so we 
were reaching out to labels that I had connections with because of my playlist. So, you know, I, like I said, I was working with Universal. I was also working with um, RBC Records. And we talked to RBC about a potential distribution deal. We want to see like, how can we take it to the next step? If we put out this next song with you guys, you know, maybe they'll put some, some push into it, you know, we'll split the profits, whatever. Uh, unfortunately, and there's nothing against them, um, the partnership deal that they presented us with was not good. Um, I sent it to my lawyer. She was like, this is not good. Um, you, you don't even keep, like just terrible percentages. And we realized like we have no leverage here. I mean, I thought, you know, 100,000 monthly listeners, millions of streams would do something, but it didn't. So I would say don't really reach out to labels um, unless you really have leverage. So I'm, I mean, like just a huge trajectory or way bigger numbers than we had, I guess. Um, but in general, if you're reaching out, you're going to be coming from uh, a position of weakness. And so you want them to reach out to you. So I would say just keep growing until they do. Um, and then as far as working with other artists or reaching out to artists, I say do that constantly. Um, so back in the beginning, when we were trying to figure things out, my first strategy that I had us do was collab with as many people as we could. Um, because, you know, Oren had no listeners. And I said, you know, if we got five listeners and we reach out to this other artist who has five listeners and we get a song with him, we now have 10 listeners. You know what I mean? So I was just like, let's collab with everyone we can. We're not going to charge for things out to as many people as we can. Um, so I think that works on every level. Um, there's no downside to collabing because it's, I think it's called fan base hacking or something like that, where you, you tap into someone else's fan base just by doing a song with them. Yeah. Um, so that's something I always recommend. And then for management, um, I would say at this point, if you don't have a manager, you are technically self-managing because you're handling all the stuff that your manager would do. Um, but if you feel like, you're ready to take it to the next level and you need the time that's going into the business side to rather go into the creative side, uh, then yeah, reach out to someone, but don't be looking for a manager. That's the biggest problem I see. People um, are looking for these big shots, you know, industry legends um, with all these connections who are going to make them blow up. And it's like, that's not what a manager is. A manager is just someone who really believes in you, who can learn things quickly and is willing to put in the work for you um, with the idea that when you become successful, he'll become successful. Uh, so that's the thing I always recommend is don't sign on to these managers who are taking upfront payments and have 50 other artists because they're just playing the numbers game. They're not really doing anything for anyone. They don't have the time to if they have that many artists and just be wary of anyone charging upfront um, versus a percentage. Mm. I love that, man. That's, that's huge. And I know the, our audience and, and, and those creators who are watching or listening, I think they're going to take a lot from, from what you just said, man. No, no, I love, I love that, man. I, even me in my head, I'm taking notes, man. Cause I think that's, that's super, that's super important. One thing I want to, I want to talk about that's, that's been, uh, recent and, uh, something that at first I was excited about. And then I re quick, re quickly realized that it was a scam um the game dm me a couple oh, weeks a, a couple weeks ago uh and i mean when he first dm me i was like oh shit this is crazy i screenshotted it to all the homies and i sent it and i was like yo a legend is in my dms bro and then as i started talking to him i quickly realized that he was just trying to make a quick buck now i don't know if it was him or somebody 
who's running his Instagram, um, the, the couple posts of his videos of him trying to help artists. I quickly realized that it was, uh, I, I didn't send him anything. I was like, yo, I, I was negotiating with him. It was funny. I still have the conversation. I was negotiating with him to see, to get on this mixtape of his. Um, I asked him for a feature. He said no features. Uh, but it was, it was funny because then I was like, then I, then I started seeing like Dave East do the same thing and like another artist doing the same thing. So I want your opinion on this. <laughs> Why are these big, big, the legends, the, the, or even guys that are A-list celebrities who are, are they taking advantage of artists? Like what is, what's going on here? Yeah. So I've been posting about this uh, for over a year. Um, in the last few months, it's become really prevalent, I think, because they lost all their show money and their tour money um, and event money, I guess. So a lot of A-list celebrities, A-list artists are turning to these, um, I guess I would call them marketing companies. And basically what they do is they allow uh, these companies to use their accounts. So it's almost never the artists. I mean, at a certain level, most artists don't run their accounts anymore. Um, so they allow these other companies to run them. And all those companies do is they search for independent artists like you um, and they send thousands of DMs uh, just saying, hey, bro, you know, I fuck with your music. You know, are you trying to work? It's just something like that. Um, and yeah. they're really they're preying on the vulnerability and, you know, the emotions of independent artists. And so, like with you, obviously, you're, you're intelligent. You were able to figure out pretty quickly that it was, you know, not not a real opportunity. but most people are not that that observant or they don't they're not that experienced and so when they get that kind of message they're going to do whatever they ask you know they're going to pay whatever it is um and it's really unfortunate so I, I talked about it specifically recently in a post uh with an artist i know who spent like 500 bucks to get on this mixtape um and first off these mixtapes they're just thrown out there it, they have music that don't go together from anyone willing to pay pretty much as long as it isn't complete trash but anyone who's got 500 bucks can get on the mixtape they put out so many of them the last one i saw was like mixtape number 17 or something so they take any artist they can who's going to pay the money they put them on this mixtape and the mixtape does nothing for them um and it's just really unfortunate and i think the you know so i'm i'm very about karma and i try to do good things for for people so the only way I imagine these artists, uh, the A-list, like being able to sleep at night is they do think there is some value in the mixtape. Like I've been thinking about it recently, like how can all these people be okay with this? Yeah. I think it's like technically their name is on the mixtape. Um, and if the song is really, really good, maybe something could come out of it. Um, and, you know, they're calling it an opportunity, but in general, um, it's a complete scam and they're taking money from artists that could so many other things, you know, 500 bucks, you can get a whole studio set up, you know, minus a computer. So it's, it's just, I hate it. And I'm going to post about it every time I can. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's an Instagram, I'll shout it out. It's called rap.ponzi scheme, which is pretty funny, but rap.ponzi scheme. And they post lists of all the artists who are doing it that they know of. Um, and then other A-list celebrities condemning uh, those artists for doing that. So wow. yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. It's been going on for a long time, but it's getting worse, um, especially during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, uh, like I said, at first I fell into the trap. I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. Right. And then I quickly realized that 
it was just like a money, uh, you know, a money grab. And uh, it's sad because, because like you said, like a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of artists out of the thousands of artists they DM, I, I'm sure at least a bunch, a handful of them have fallen into the trap of like, you know, uh, yo, look at me, I'm part of the games thing, you know, like it's it's kind of a almost like a clout thing, like look at me type of thing. And, and that's the thing, it would have been, it would have been such a good clout thing if it was actually exclusive and actually yeah. a real opportunity. But now if you post that, people are going to make fun of you because you yeah. got caught, you got scammed, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's terrible. Um, and it's sad that at that level, they're doing that because um, I had, a post recently where we debated on, you know, who's hurting more right now, the independents are struggling or the A-list and, you know, people are talking about the A-list losing the, the tours and the show money and the events, but there's still A-list celebrities. They can, I mean, they can make money in so many different ways. And at this point, if they haven't invested the money they've made in ways to get passive income or income from other areas, they fucked up, you know? Yeah. And so to be taking advantage and getting that, money from independent artists who need it way more who are out of work um, because their jobs got shut down who are barely struggling to make music as it is don't have equipment you know to take their five hundred dollars is just so just disgusting honestly yeah, yeah it's no so straight. straight i i 100 agree and that's why it kind of shocked me i was like man a guy like the game uh that is is a legend in 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 rap to be to be doing that it was kind of uh it was it was it was a shock it was it was some something that was like just shocking um but yeah man i think uh i think yeah i just think it's 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 crazy that these uh that these a-list celebrities are doing it um and they, and they have the audacity to think that it's helping um yeah, or, or otherwise they wouldn't be able to sleep at night yeah yeah exactly and they they truly feel like they're helping uh independent artists which is like hey man i whatever right but uh no man uh nick man i appreciate this uh this chat i think uh i think our audience learned a lot um from this i, I can't wait to, to to share our conversation man well last thing i'm going to leave it with and this is this is a question that we ask all our, our all our uh featured guests is uh what does it mean uh to to be on the second floor and, and metaphorically, our whole philosophy on the second floor is is always looking to elevate to the next level or, or to the second floor. Um, in, in, what does it mean for you uh, to be on the second floor? I thought about that question a little bit because um, I saw some of the other podcasts and, you know, it's hard to break it down because I don't feel like they're ever you ever really reach the second floor. You know I mean, like you're always working to elevate and you never really get there. Um, it's only when you look back that you see, oh, I did elevate to the second floor when I went from here to here. Um, and so, you know, like for me in my journey was going from, it's kind of embarrassing, uh, from Geranicus, which was my previous Instagram name and brand to Nick, the manager. Um, and I made that transition and that's when I, I kind of made made it to the second floor and then the next step was you know doing the patreon videos um and so yeah i i don't think there ever really is a second floor but if they're just being able to provide for your friends and family um and doing what you love and so as artists i think everyone should just take a second if you are able to make music to just be appreciative of that no matter what else is going on in your life um if you are able to do the thing that you love 
um, that's the second floor because a lot of people aren't able to do that at all and never find their passion. So damn bro that was a that was a dope answer man that's a that's the, that's a unique that's a unique take on that question we've had uh almost 100 we're almost at a, i think around 100 episodes now and uh that's the first time i've heard uh i've heard of that response to to the question so i love that man um nick man i just want to take the take a moment to to uh to say thanks and and appreciate uh you coming on and and, and giving giving me your time on on the second floor and and like i said i can't wait to share this conversation because i know uh, a lot of a lot of people are going to take some value from it and and hopefully down down the line i hope to maybe get you on in person after you know all this the the pandemic is is hopefully over and and we can start getting back to some uh, uh normality um i'd love to love to do this in person man so so thank you very much Dude, man. um thank you so much for i mean like i said it's my first podcast so i was really nervous and really excited but hopefully we got some some good stuff out of it and yeah i'd love to come do it in person sometime in the future that's dope man no thank you man all right that that is a wrap my man the second floor podcast is a member of the alberta podcast network locally grown and community supported